You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. Today's episode of Locked On Hornets is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast and follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug is on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. I guess it's time for our turn to play Ask a Black Guy, as we have often joked about here when we bring in Nada Edwards. You can find him on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. Nada, how are you doing, man, with everything that's been going on? It's funny. you Walker, you know my love of being around kids. So what did I do to unplug this weekend when I basically had to get away from all of this that happened? I went to go play with my girlfriend and her brother, her nieces and five nieces and nephews. I was surrounded by kids all weekend. That's what I did to unplug. The last thing I normally want to do, but I ended up doing it. Yeah. That's how I am. Um, yeah, not a, so you want to talk about this. You put this on Twitter that you are going to be talking about exactly what everybody else would think that you're talking about right now. It's the protest against police brutality and the response to the George Floyd murder. Um, and I, I want to kind of start as I joke with ask a black guy, right? Like I want to add, I want to start there a little bit and how we all approach this discussion because Doug and I are a couple of white dudes that don't have the experience on what it's like to grow up in black America. We don't know what it's like for us to experience life as a black guy. And when Everybody else is getting their version of Paul Mooney, not a like, is that a that is that the appropriate thing? Is is that like how do how do media outlets address that? Or is it important to give the black people um that they are trying to bring on the show? Is it important to give black people the platform? It's not only important to give black people the platform, but and this is where like Monday morning was the most funny part of just this entire saga because there are no sports and there's nothing really going on, but we have this huge thing of George Floyd and Stephen Jackson's there and Carol Anthony Towns is there and you have all these athletes participating in this. And now you have to get the black guys that you normally either let go of because of COVID-19 or the guys that you were thinking of hiring, but never really did like, it became one of the most hypocritical things I saw because you've seen, again, you see all these companies that are looking for black faces to put in front of them, but you don't empower them. And it was one of the most hypocritical things I've seen in quite a while. And to be quite honest, some of it like locally from a local standpoint, I saw people with that whole posting black spaces on their Instagrams and everything else. And it's like, dude, you don't hire any black, any black people, any black faces, you don't empower them. And yet you're doing this saying, Oh, I get black people. And you're trying to score woke points. And it just fall. It just rings hollow at this point, you know? Yeah. Nada. And look, you unplugged this weekend because it's too hard to take in because you've talked about it. And you told us you did not watch the video, right? Why did yeah. you not watch the video of George Floyd? Because quite honestly, like, I'm tired of seeing black death. I'm tired of it. We talked about Walter Scott. 
I that might have been the last one I watched, quite honest. I didn't watch Ahmaud Arbery. Hell, I didn't even watch the Amy Cooper thing because the Amy Cooper thing is something that happens to me regularly where people look like, hey, he doesn't belong here. Let me call the cops. Like, well, let me tell you a story, Walker. Like, because for a while, I was up in Huntersville. I lived up in Huntersville. I was working restaurant gigs and I didn't have a car. So I would walk from the restaurant on, again, Sam Fur Road in Huntersville. And I would take it back all the way back up into the, um, onto Hillmore Lane where my parents live. And that's about a two and a half mile walk. About every three months, someone would feel uncomfortable and call the cops on me for just literally just walking home. So again, I've been a Maude Arbery before. I've been that person that they don't feel like they've belonged before. I get this in a way that I really wish I didn't. So that's the thing. I live with that fear of, hey, this could be me at any given point at any given time. So it's just one of those situations where I don't need to watch it because I kind of live it, you know? Yeah. Not a, you know, Bomani Jones somewhat. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a guy that you regularly interact with on Twitter and Bomani might be the best dude to talk about race and not only just a lot of different topics, but I mean, that guy is so incredibly intelligent and um, speaks on race in a way that I don't know if anybody else is nearly as good at. And when you hear him discuss that this seems to hit different with society, right? Like the response to George Floyd's murder seems to hit different. Uh, What is your response to that? Like, are you feeling some of the same things that Bomani is illustrating when he goes on Dan Lebitard? Like, how do you feel the response is different or even the same, if that's your opinion, compared to the other responses to other uh, murders of police brutality? This is this hits different because we don't have anything else to do. Like, if things were really going down the way that it used to go down, we would be doing this amongst the NBA playoffs. We would be doing this amongst baseball we would be doing this and not be stuck in the house because of COVID-19 there would be a whole lot of other things we are stuck in the house we are stuck on our phones we are waiting for everything to go to quote-unquote normal and historically and it's funny because I saw this uh, tweet and it's so true historically we have again when you start seeing the most uprisings it's generally around these kind of conditions where you have gross wealth inequality, where you have people that can't get jobs, mass unemployment, 40 million people unemployed. You're talking about also that like disease and people that are sick and people that can't do anything. These are generally like the conditions in which stuff like this happens and where stuff like this hits different and where people are just fed up and can't take anymore, quite honestly. Now, what was the number one thing you wanted to come on here and address? Was there anything in particular? Did you just want to share some of your experience before? Or was there something uh, that you noticed maybe from the protest in Charlotte to the police department's reaction in Charlotte? Uh, is there anything that you really wanted to talk about um, when we scheduled? I mean, <laughs> I mean, we scheduled, I guess, last week before we even knew this was going to be the topic. But what yeah. did you want to talk about uh, before you even came on today? Honestly, I had, again, because me and you, I texted you yesterday, Walker, and said there was a lot of stuff that I'd not even tweeted about, quite honestly. 
Yeah. But when we start seeing people like Morgan Fogarty get basically trolled by the police <laughs> on Twitter, yeah. when you have the official CMPD troll again, trolling media, openly trolling media, when we have video from Queen City Nerve, and those guys have been doing kick-ass work in terms of covering these protests. When you are having all of these, just all these instances in Charlotte alone, and we're not talking about worldwide, like France, where they're protesting right now. It hit, I guess, again, it, to tie it back to your other question about it hit, hitting it hitting different, we're finding out a couple of things. And one, a couple of things I wanted to say, one, we're learning the police are out of control. Like the mayor can't control them. The president can't control them. No, they're like, they're completely out of control. And two, the police are escalating all of this. This is not one of those things where it's, oh, we're, again, there was an unknown element that basically became the accelerant, per se, to start this fire, and the police are just trying to put it out. No, the police are the ones that are kind of escalating this more and more. And like, just, I just think about the NAACP protest yesterday. That was the most people unified in Charlotte that wasn't a Hornets game in a very, very long time. And when I start to think about these things and start to see how that went down perfectly, and then an hour, hour, two later, we're starting to see people start to get penned in, or fenced in by, uh, again, tear gas and pepper bombs. Like, I just I just wonder what are we what is our new normal going to look like? Because we cannot and utterly will not go back to what we used to do. We have a couple more segments to get to and and what can only be described as a perfect transition. I want to talk to you about our sponsors, uh, rockauto.com with ever with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? What you need to do is you need to go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And this is important, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Exactly. Tell them that we sent you, how we sent you, and then write locked on in that same box. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I want to get into some of the statements released by franchises with Nada. We talk about that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. 
I'm not a big fan of grape jelly. I kind of, I'm a little insulted that you referred to me as grape jelly. I'm not a fan of grape anything. Now, I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavoring. I think it goes back to the Robitussin that I had as a kid, and I just don't like grape flavoring. Anyway, great to yeah, be back. Great to be back on the show. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Not a how much are you triggered by just hearing the words grape jelly and that I like it when you're back on the show. I figured you did that just to troll me between that. And like, literally I've been listening to the show. I thought I was a part of the show. You know, mm-hmm. you guys don't send me any of the built bar stuff. I don't get a coupon to rock auto or anything like that. What mm-hmm. is up with that? Walker, um, I thought we were friends, man. Oh, we are friends. And the fact that our white guild is getting the best of us, you can have all the built bars that you want. We are going to send you okay. an abundance of built bars because okay. we're going to be typing in the locked on promo code. That's what we're going to do. You ask for it, Nada. That's exactly what you're going to get. I'll even send you some strawberry jelly. Uh, as I teased there, Nada, a lot of statements being mentioned by these franchises. Um, they're going to, by these franchises, they're putting them out. Some are empty, some don't have any substance whatsoever, but they're releasing them. I want to get to James Dolan because the New York Knicks are the only team in the NBA that have not put out a statement. Um, or the other one is the San Antonio Spurs, but Greg Popovich, you know, has yeah. been making comments and statements for the last five, six, seven years about all of this stuff. So the New York Knicks are quite literally the only franchise that are just refusing, right? Like they're refusing to put out a statement. What do you make of this entire James Dolan mess of his memo to people within the organization that he's not going to put out a statement and then the follow-up of still not having any substance whatsoever. The fact that, cause here's the thing when we always talk again, one thing, one common refrain when we t- start talking about Hornets fandom is, Oh, we're the lowly franchise. No one cares about us. No one does this. We're embarrassment to set in the third. And I always tell people on Twitter, it can always be worse. Now, mind you, this is when I say, when I say this can always be worse. James Dolan and the Knicks are right there. <laughs> they are the great $5 billion pimple on the behind of the NBA because mm. they constantly embarrass the, the league. This is like, and here's the thing. If we honestly took a sobering look at what James Dolan has done during his tenure, because again, I can't think of a guy that had Anuka Brown Sanders sue the league, sue them, and win in court for sexual harassment. We've had the entire issue with Spike Lee and Charles Oakley, and now this? Why is he keeping his team? Like, seriously, we kind of sort of got Donald Sterling out of the paint for much less. James Dolan should be next, you would think at least, right? Well, I mean, that's so the NBA, and this is something I actually did want to talk to you about where the NBA is kind of put on this pedestal with its relationship with its players because they are viewed as a more socially conscious league, right? Specifically compared to the NFL and also Major League Baseball, which has problems with trying to get restarted. But I haven't seen a whole lot from Major League Baseball on this issue either, which probably is an issue within itself if we really wanted to have that conversation. But sticking here with the NBA how much are we giving a pass to the NBA? Not, I mean, should we be hearing more from Adam Silver and kicking James Dolan out? Like, like what is the, what is the proper repercussion that James Dolan and the Knicks should uh, suffer here? Honestly, yo, find him seriously, find him a million dollars and give that million dollars to bail relief for the people in New York city. 
that would be the appropriate punishment. Because if you are going to be this part, if you're going to be this League of Change, if you are going to have the crown, sometimes unfairly, of being the League about social justice, then you got to do something about this. You have to find them. You have to basically, again, I would even call it a dummy tax because you can't have a memo like that leak out, period. You can't. So clearly silence is something that's pretty unacceptable. But Nada, what do you make of the statements that don't have any substance to them? Like, I mean, there's been a couple of teams. I know the Wizards are, uh, they allowed their players to have some statements. And I thought that was actually something that was pretty cool by the Wizards organization. But overall, the the statements that are released without any kind of meaning that you say ring hollow to it, what, what are you making of the teams that are just putting something out there for the sake of putting something out there? It's, it's world salad. And we can just grade it from either McDonald's salad, which no one knows that, again, no one wants to eat, or we can call it Michelin quality word salad. That's what we can do here. We can, we can start just grading them up and down. And it's funny because in the name of statements, um, I know Jordan put out a statement over the weekend and I kind of wanted to get into this because I yeah, think go ahead. Like what, what did you make of that statement from Michael Jordan? Because I I've been fascinated by this discussion all the way back before we even had the George Floyd video. Like this was a last dance documentary uh, topic that was brought up in a time when everybody was paying attention to it. The lack of involvement in politics from Michael Jordan. And here he does have a statement that does seem to have some type of emotional feel to it. Nada, what is your, what is your takeaway from some of the things that Michael Jordan has done and even specifically with this statement? Again, I would put it this way. We have, um, I would, I would correct you slightly in saying this to say that, to say that Michael Jordan hasn't been political at all basically lets me know you haven't been around older black men. And this goes for anybody because a lot of the older black men I know do stuff silently to make sure, or better yet, my father has a saying, don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. So there are things that he does that Jordan has done to necessarily promote or be to make political statements. They just not seen as those like, like, like you brought up, the clinics in the blackest areas of Charlotte is a political statement, whether we like to admit it or not. The fact that there are very many front-facing people in positions of power of the Charlotte Hornets is a political statement, whether we like it or not. The fact that he has to make a statement, and he was fairly candid, because I was listening to you guys with Rick yesterday. Like, I was listening to that. That is a political statement. He makes statements. They just don't happen to be the radical ones that people want because at the end of the day, Michael Jordan knows something about himself that everybody else doesn't seem to get is that the masses don't like him that much to where if he said something, he could change minds. He knows that better about himself than most people do. Well, I think that was even somewhat of the point as well. Like in the last dance documentary, something that is not talked about as much in my opinion is people got on him for his lack of verbal support towards Harvey Gann in the Senate race in 1990 against Jesse Helms. But he did make a donation, right? And like, yeah. so I think people, what people did was there's another silent move you're discussing. Like, look, I understand, I understand there was a lot mad at Michael Jordan for not having political statements. Like there was a lot of black voices that would 
get angry with Michael Jordan for that. And I can understand it because Jesse Helms was a racist and the comment in which he said after he won about there was no joy in Mudville that day, that wasn't talked about nearly as much after the last dance documentary. It was as disgusting as anything, but also like when you're not asking Larry Bird to do the same thing, when we're not asking white people to do the same thing, like that's the problem that I think we have. Yeah, no, you're absolutely done late. Yeah. You're right, because, again, we're not asking Larry Bird to do this. We're not asking Jerry West to do this. And we're not asking guys like Mitch Kupchak to, to, to basically talk about this. Like, at some point, and this is where it gets really interesting, in this, and to go back to the first segment, where it's hitting different, like, we're getting white quarterbacks. We're getting white players to say something. We're getting – it's not just the Pops and the Steve Kerrs talking about this. This is everybody, so, and that's where it's different. In that same vein, I want to talk about that as well. The relationships that – okay, let me ask you this way. How much are the relationships um, at risk of not being had by guys like Vic Fangio, who says he can't find racism within the NFL? by some of these other coaches that are getting exposed. Dabo Sweeney is someone that got called out by Canyon Tuttle, a former, a former player from Clemson, who said, look, there was a coach on your coaching staff that said the N-word. Now, he didn't call anybody the N-word, but he said it in Pierman's statement back. Pierman said that the only reason he said it was because he was trying to get it off of the field, that he was trying to negate that actually being said on the field. Either way, <laughs> wrong to say it, of course, from a white coach on that coaching staff. But what do you make of the, the risk that these coaches that are getting exposed right now? Like, is there a risk with their relationships as far as recruiting goes and even free agency from some of these professionals that might test the market? You would think so. You would think so. But football, like, here's the thing about football. And this is where this is kind of funny. We start talking about this. Think about what we just went through in the last little bit with COVID and the hiring practices. There was a movement to give extra draft picks to hire coaches of color. Owners are that reticent to do that. When you have to basically bribe them with candy to at least interview extra black quarterback, interview and hire, when you have to give them draft candy to do it, there's a problem. So that's why Vic Fangio can probably say what he says and really not take a hit because at the end of the day, there are only 30 teams and there are only so many roster spots. So he's not necessarily going to take a hit. Now, that being said, if you're Dabo Swinney today, you're having a press conference because not only did Pierman do that, but apparently this wasn't addressed for a very long time. There needed to be some kind of transparency when it comes to this. And the fact that there hasn't been that's going to hurt you in recruiting when it comes to Clemson. This is the thing. Again, recruiting is where it hurts in football. It won't hurt on the professional level because there are only so many jobs. Not a, uh, joining us here. Not Edwards joining us here on the wake up call on the wake up call. My God, that just happened. I just went radio there. I was just trying to read a promo ad and I just went radio right there. I am an absolute mess. I'm going to make another perfect transition by talking to you about built bar. It's the best tasting bar, real chocolate, amazing flavors, kind of tastes like a candy bar. Not wants them as well. It has great texture and it also has an amazing combination of low calorie, high protein, and low sugar. No crazy additives. If you compare it to the most popular men's bar 
uh, it is half the calories to that popular men's bar. It is seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good for you and taste that good? You're just going to have to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On and get $10 off of your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. Again, that's Locked On. All one word, space it out. It doesn't matter. You can type in Locked On and get $10 off of your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. We actually do have some news within the NBA to get to that broke within the last hour of our recording time right now. We'll talk about that in the final segment here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. And the Google description here says on contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades named or numbered, <laughs> B shares Batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. It's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The, yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Two things I want to get to. One just like always, not I can't help but laugh him uh, laugh uh, at that promo that we always play. Every single time, it brings genuine laughter, which always then brings me to genuine laughter. Another thing is what also brought everybody to genuine laughter was the fact that I actually went radio walker mode, radio filler. Oh my God, there's dead air. I'm panicking. What do I do? I go into the bag of tricks that I have usually just used on the wake-up call, but I use them on the podcast. And that's where I went because I couldn't hear not a speak anymore. And I panicked. That is, you know what? Here's the thing. I threw you a curveball. You weren't expecting it. Is a change up in the dirt. And you know what? I, I apologize for that, Walker. Okay. I apologize. No. I'm rusty. I'm rusty. Well, no, it's not even like that. I just thought you were going to. I, I was trying to pull up the read that I had, and I thought you were going to talk more. I just was wrong in my time assessment in which I thought you were going to give your take. And then I went to a familiar place that is Radio Filler Walker and decided to go to the wake-up call. But it's not the wake-up call. It's the Locked on Hornets podcast. So uh, I forgive I, you this time. I forgive you. you. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate it, Nada. All right, let's get to some of the news that has broken within the NBA. So within the last hour, I think Shams maybe had it first. Adrian Wojnarowski since also giving us some details on some of the things that is going on within the NBA startup plan. So what we have here, it's each of the 22 teams uh, that are returning will play eight regular season games in Orlando for seeding purposes for the playoffs. The NBA's Board of Governors has a 12.30 p.m. call tomorrow with the intention of approving the league's plan for a 22-team return to play in Orlando. Uh, Joining the 16 current playoff teams in Orlando will be New Orleans, Portland, Phoenix, Sacramento, and San Antonio in the West, only Washington in the East, leaving the Charlotte Hornets out. I'll continue real quickly before we talk about that. If the ninth seed is more than four games behind the eighth, number eight makes the playoffs fewer than four games, a play-in tournament. One other thing, the play-in format requires a double elimination format for the eighth seed, a single elimination for the ninth seed. So just real quickly, tons of information I want to get to. So the NBA is inviting 22 teams to Orlando, 13 Western Conference teams, nine Eastern Conference teams. There will be eight regular season games per team. The play-in for the eighth seeds, July 31st through October 12th, if there is an NBA Finals Game 7. The vote tomorrow is to ratify. Adrian Wojnarowski ends that tweet. The NBA is back. Is there anything 
in that word salad that I just gave you from Adrian Wojnarowski, Nada, that you wanted to particularly uh, talk about, whether it's the Charlotte Hornets not being included or whether you just want to talk about the format, your overall takeaway from what I just read. The Hornets got host. The Hornets honestly got host because there's no way you can justify bringing in the Phoenix Suns, who also draw flies when it comes to ratings, and not bring the Hornets. The Hornets were playing their best basketball at a time where usually playing their best best basketball does not matter. The Hornets should have gotten a chance to go in, play for some for stuff with some stakes, and go from there. I I honestly don't understand how you bring in a team like Phoenix. I get you want to. I get the NBA wants Dame Lillard in there. I get the NBA also wants a team like again like the Pelicans, but at the same time, like you got to give someone else other than the Wizards, a reason to play and play hard because where's the incentive for, um, quite honestly, where's the incentive for a team like the Wizards that have to win maybe four games out of the out of the eight that they play to get a playing? Again, you're rewarding the Washington Wizards, and I kind of don't understand. How much did you value this playoff experience for the Hornets, even if it is a unique playoff experience, given the circumstance, how much did you value that for the Charlotte Hornets? If they would have been included, I would have valued it a lot. Cause honestly, who on this team that you expect to be on this team for a while has any sort of playoff experience. I mean, it's Terry Rozier and that's it really. So oh, again, I think they would have needed this. I think they would have liked, I think people in that building would have liked it because I don't think they're as high on draft picks at, on the draft picks this year as everybody else's yeah, or well, just like everybody else's. Well, right. Well, I mean, right. I mean, and, and uh, it does look like a pretty weak draft class, certainly compared to 2021, which is starting to be a pretty loaded draft class. Also, this tweet comes out from Rod Boone. He did put out that the Hornets want to play and be a part of the NBA's restart in Orlando, but it's not going to happen. So the Hornets have a risk of not playing until December 25th or late December when we've talked mostly about that being the startup of next season. That does lead me to another point, Nada, like October 12th would be the latest that the NBA plays if the NBA Finals does go to a Game 7. Is that too late? Are you cool with the timeline? Like, what kind of problems do you have as far as the scheduling goes, if you have any problems? My my biggest concern, honestly, with an October... I have a hard time, basically, with any sort of hard deadline when we're talking about an infectious disease with no vaccine. I have a hard time putting any kind of deadline on anything or establishing any sort of dates because what we're doing is you're setting yourself up for one of those man plans, God laughs type things. And we may not finish the season until new year's day. That's where I'm really kind of concerned with is that if you have a massive COVID out- outbreak, what's the plan? Because I don't know that you can necessarily finish this season. I think it, the, the format itself, there are too many teams. I would have preferred to see the 16 maybe even cut it down to let's take the best 12 teams. I don't know something. There was a better format than doing this. This is way too much. And it's almost like, this is, this is the dichotomy of where I'm not sure the NBA deserves sometimes the, the, the woke crown that they do, because you can't 
put 22 teams in there and say you're worried about you're not worried about the health and safety on top of that. So there's a lot of this that doesn't make sense to me. I wish I wish I could understand it. But honestly, like the thing that I think I'm tripping over the most is a Christmas uh, again, people have always wanted the NBA to be a Christmas start, start a Christmas league. People are going to get what they want. I'm pretty sure we're not going to be happy with it. Not. It looks like the Hornets playoff chances have officially died. Uh, if I were to ask you for a eulogy on the Hornets season, what would that eulogy look like for the 2020 uh, for the 2019, 2020 season? They were better than we ever gave them credit for being. And quite honestly, they hit the number, they hit the even number on Vegas over under wins. Um, I would I would say, again, they gave us a lot of excitement. The Martin twins, PJ Washington being possibly the third best rookie in this class so far. Um, Ter- Terry Rozier not being bad. Devontae's explosion. I mean, we were going to see something out of Jalen McDaniels. I, I'm kind of... And you know what? Actually, I want to change the, the epitaph to it. Gone too soon because I enjoyed this season. <laughs> I don't know about you. I yeah, enjoyed I this a lot more than I thought I would. And the fact that we're not talking about a guy like Malik Monk in, in other terms, if that was like the thing that we would be talking about, like we're not talking about that. He's been basically erased from memory. Like he was like someone from men in black came and, Gave us the <laughs> flashy wand thing. He gave so, us the neuralizer as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, we got the neuralizer. Again, Yeah, we're not talking about that, but we're talking about a whole bunch of excitement and potential. And you know what? We're, we should be kind of excited about what this team may look like when we finally get back to basketball, and who knows when that may be. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm totally with you, Nada. I am, I am excited. I think we can all view this in a context that if you want them to win a playoff series and go any kind of on a deep run in the, in the postseason, they're going to need some stars. I don't know that they have that on the roster, but what they've done is they've taken a step in the right direction. And it looks like this is the appropriate start to a rebuild without having a star on the roster. And I think that alone it's okay to be excited about the future for the Hornets. I'm not saying that you can expect the championship anytime soon. I'm not expecting, I'm not asking you to expect a postseason trip or postseason series win within the next two years. That's not what I'm telling you. What I am telling you is that it's okay to be excited for the uh, improvement that we had this season, as far as any kind of rebuild that would move on past the mediocrity that mediocrity that we've experienced ever since that Miami heat first round loss that we had in 2016. I I am excited for that first step to be taken. And I think we kind of took it this year. Yeah, you should be, you should be again. They took a whole bunch of steps for once. There's a plan. Like think about this. There's a plan. There was a plan of, okay, we're going to deal Marvin for this, or we're going to let him go. We're not going to take any bad money back. We again, we're going to keep biz or biz is going to stay and be a veteran to not only mentor a guy like Malik Monk, who was who seemed to have gotten it right before everything happened. But also you had again, he's mentoring everybody else around there. You've got Cody Zeller doing things in the community and everything like there was nothing to feel bad about with this team. And the fun part is they're fun to watch. When's the last time you could say that, Walker? Yeah. 
Yeah. Think about no, that. It's it's been Kimba. It's been Kimba that was fun to watch. And then everything else was not nearly all that much fun to watch. And I'm with you, man. It was a fun experience. The way they were playing at the end of the season, the wins against the Rockets, the win against the Heat. I mean, how about that game? We, we <laughs> that game has been neuralized from our memory, Nada, because the season ended before that game even ended. I don't even know how that's possible, but it happened. And they came back and beat the Miami Heat in what might have been the most exciting game of the Charlotte Hornets season. But because the NBA season ended before that game did, we didn't talk about it nearly as much. Not a we're at the end here. Real quickly, I want to ask you if there was anything else that you wanted to address given the protest against police brutality as it affects black America. I want my belt bars. That's what I want. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, a, that's the only thing I want to say. I want my belt bars. That's, that's what a, I want. You got them, Nada. You got them and then some. That wraps up this edition of Locked on Hornets. Thanks again to Built Bar for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NBA and even Hollinger and Duncan. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.